You're so worthy to be praised. You're awesome. We want to thank you for this great, grand, glorious opportunity, this privilege that we have to come together. Help us today, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Would you bless the proclamation of your word today? May you be glorified. May your people be richly blessed. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Once again, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 in just a few verses, beginning with verse 47, reading from the New King James Version. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. I want to preach today with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I do solicit your prayers from the subject, Lessons from David's Legacy. Lessons from David's legacy. Now, today is Youth Sunday, and at 11 o'clock, we have a greater number of youth, so a lot of this message will be geared towards um, the young people. But as I went through this text, I found that the truths of this text will apply whether we are young, whether we are middle-aged, or whether we are seasoned saints. This is a remarkable word. The background of this text is that the Philistines and Israel were in battle with one another. And Jesse, the father of David, told David to go down to the battlefield and take some gifts to his brothers and to the captains and just see how they were going. Jesse was concerned about um, his sons and he wanted to know how they were faring. He was concerned about the army of Israel. So he sent David and David had made numerous trips back and forth. But on this particular day, David went there and he witnessed something that was pretty remarkable. He witnessed his seven foot giant by the name of Goliath yelling out insults against uh, the army of God and insults against God himself. And he found out that Saul had put out a pretty um, good deal on the table for the man who would stand up against this giant. And that deal in verse 25 of chapter 17, Saul said uh, that he would make him rich. I mean, that's pretty enticing, isn't it? And that not only that, he said, if you go out and fight this giant, you can have my daughter in marriage. I mean, how good is that, right, to have the king's daughter a- as your wife? And then... He added for extra measure that the man would be exempted from paying taxes. It's pretty enticing. Some guys would say, forget about the other stuff. You know, you can keep your daughter, you keep your buddy, just let me the tax thing, right? And so David said, and they said, I'll go and His brother accused him of being haughty of mind, but David uh, insisted on going to stand up against Goliath. And what happens after this, uh, we find a series of lessons that we can learn something from. And I found that these stories are not only history lessons in the Old Testament, but they are basic principles that we can apply to our lives that will help us every day of our lives. So 
here it is, lesson one. Lesson one. Don't be shy about sharing your God-given abilities. Don't be shy about sharing your God-given abilities. Notice when Saul questioned David in verse 33 about his abilities, Saul gave David a litany of reasons why he should not face this obstacle in his life, why he should not stand against Goliath. He, he was young. He was inexperienced. Saul gave a litany of reasons. But David, on the hand, other hand, gave a litany of reasons why he would succeed. Saul gave a litany of reasons to David why you won't be successful. David gave Saul a litany of reasons as to why he would be. In verses 34 through 36, David explained that he had killed both a lion and a bear. And as I read this text, others may read it differently, but it seems as though this happened on more than one occasion. The first time I read this, I used to always think, well, he killed one lion, he killed one bear. But now as I read it, it seems to me that he killed a, more than one lion and more than one bear as he protected his father's sheep. And then David said, um, and this Philistine standing before us, this Philistine standing before them, David declared, who dishonoring God was next on David's list. David said, I had the ability, the God-given ability to take out lions, a lion and a bear, a lions and bears, and this Philistine will no, be no different. And David said, in essence, I got this. David said, in essence, I can do this because of my God-given abilities. Saul, you need to understand that God has given me some abilities to use. I'm good not because I'm David. I'm good because I'm God. Well, young people, middle-aged people, seasoned saints, God has given every one of us gifts and abilities. Do you notice that? God has given every one of us as believers gifts, and all of us have abilities. And we are prepared for the next step in the process of life because of the previous steps God has blessed us to take. Your past, the past things that God has allowed you to go through, your past, those things where God allowed you to use your gifts and talents and your abilities, qualified you for your future. In fact, your position should always be I can do all things that is all things that God has called me to do through Christ who strengthens me. Lesson two from David's legacy is trust God to take care of you. What a profound lesson. Trust God to take care of you. David said in verse 37, don't miss this, <coughs> the Lord who delivered me. Did you get that? The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he 
might. That is a possibility. But he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He did it before. He'll do it again. I trusted him to help me with the lion and the bear, the lions in my life. I trusted him in the past. The, the bears in my life, I trust all of those things. That I trusted him in the past. He did it. And he will deliver me from this hand of this Philistine. I found it remarkable that even at a very young age, David had a profound faith, unwavering confidence that God would carry him through everything he brought him to. At a young age, David had settled it in his mind that if God brings me to it, to the lion and to the bear and to the giants of life, to, to go light, if God brings me to it, I trust him. I depend on him. I rely upon him to take me through it. If he brings you to Sickness, he will take you through it. If he brings you through challenges, he'll take you through it. That's at a young age, David had settled this in his mind. So, 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 young people and middle-aged people and senior saints, life will have its mountains and valleys, its ups and downs, its twists and its it's turns. I, I'm sharing this with young people at 11. Most of us here at 8 already know that. We, we, we finished high school. We've gone through college. We've gone through the military. We've, we've been on our job. We know that life has its mountains and valleys, its ups and downs, its twists and turns, its highs and lows. But yet one thing is sure. God will be there for you. So trust him, call on him, pray to him, ask him to hold your hands and order your steps and guide you along the way. And you can trust him, Jesus said it, never to leave you nor forsake you. You can, you can trust him to help you no matter what you are facing or going through. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When others leave you and count on it, many of them will. Many of them who started out on the journey with you will leave you. Unlike Michael Jackson, like Michael Jackson who said, just look over your shoulder and I'll be there where if you look over your shoulder, he's not there. People at times will leave you. Uh, others leave you when others, as the younger crowd says, go ghost on you. When others let you down, when others turn away from you, trust God to always be there by your side. 
guide you even through the darkest night. And I love the song that I first heard as a youth myself back at the Good Hope, uh, a, a Jehovah, rather, missionary Baptist church where I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. And I still remember the words reverberating down through the corridors of time as the older deacons and the older mothers and those in the church who had had so much life experiences had been in the battles of life. The sunshine, the rain would often sing on Sunday morning with uplifted voices and feeble hands and broken hearts and shattered dreams. Guide me all thy grace. Jehovah pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. And then they said, hold me with thy powerful hand. Ah, trust God, David said. Lesson three, be yourself. Notice what Saul says in verse 38 and verses 38 and verse 39. In order to prepare David to face Goliath, the giant, the text reads, So Saul clothed David with underscore his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail, that is a coat of metal designed that weaponry, swords and spears could not penetrate the text says David fastened his sword then he saw sword to his armor and he tried to walk for he had not tested them he was not used to them and, and, and David said to Saul I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them I am not accustomed to them so David, the Bible says, took them off. Taking off Saul's armor was one of the wisest moves David could have made. What a lesson. Why was that one of his wisest moves? Because Saul's armor was made for Saul and not for David. Saul's armor on David would have been more of a hindrance than it would have been a help. Y'all remember back in the day when Michael Jordan was on the top of his NBA game? You remember that? Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, number 23. I mean, you know, his picture was just all over every place, all over the news. Well, there was a commercial featuring a little boy. Others sang the words too, but I remember specifically this little boy. And he, he sang the words, these words. He said, sometimes I dream that he is me. You've, you've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move, I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Chorus. 
Mike. Oh, if I could be like Mike. Hogwash. Nonsense. Get over it. Forget about being like Mike or anybody else, human being on this earth, and just be yourself. Be who God has made you. Cherish the reality of your isness and praise God as did David, who declared in verse, Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise you, for I am, get this, fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you get up in the morning and look in the mirror? And say as David, I will praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David goes on to say, marvelous are your works. That my soul knoweth very well. You got to know, according to David, that that, that you are fearfully and, and, and wonderfully made and marvelous by the God. It's God's work. You realize that all of the people, out of all the people in the world, there's no one exactly like you. Even identical twins, as they are identified, are really not identical. If you look close enough, you can you can tell, and not only physically, but not even identical in personality. God made you with your own personalized spiritual and physical DNA and he said that you are good you're marvelously made so the next time somebody tells you that you are a piece of work have you heard that you are a piece of work you are a piece of work. Children tell parents that sometimes. Grandparents that sometimes. Daddy, mama, you are a piece of work. I told you to do this. You did something else. That's how children do, you know. They grow up and they start parenting you. Or at least trying to. You are a piece of work. The next time somebody tells you you are a piece of work, you say, I am and according to God's word, I am a marvelous piece of work. Y'all to have t-shirts for seasoned saints. Psalm 134, I am a marvelous piece of work. Lesson four, concentrate on the area of your giftedness. That's what David teaches in his legacy. That is, find out what you are good at and focus your attention in that area. That's what David did. Look at verse 40. 
Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David was a shepherd boy. He was an expert at using what we call back in the day a slingshot. And we used to make our own slingshot. You could buy them in the store, but we used to make our own slingshot. David was an expert with a slingshot. He didn't choose a javelin at that point in his life. He didn't choose a spear, and he didn't choose a sword because using those type weapons was not his area of giftedness. One of the most frustrating things is to watch people try to work outside of their giftedness. And sometimes you want to say you would be much better suited for this over here than you are for this right here. Now, I know I'm, you know, I'm not a a soloist. I I mean, I know that when it comes to leading solos in the choir. I mean, I do pretty good at Bible study. I try to hold my my own there, but I'm not going to grab a microphone, you you know, and try to lead, you know, choir singings on occasional. I mean, God just not did not give me that talent, those that, that, that kind of ability. And listen, it doesn't make any difference. I can take all the music lessons in the world. Go to all the music conservatories in the world. I will not be shy of a miracle, a great singer. And we know, you know, sometimes people will sing and, and, and you know, in the church we're a lot friendlier than they are. We're at the Apollo Theater and, and at the gong show. Y'all remember that? Folks singing on the gong show. You know, and we're, we're not friendly. We'll say, well, yeah, that's good. Sing on. Yeah, amen. But truth be told, on the inside, we'll say, I wish you would hurry up that this song, I wish it would be over. Quick. Amen. Preach, Pastor. Yeah, you know, we sing it. Amen, child. But on the inside, we're saying, that's just not your area of gifting. Yeah. But don't you love the genuineness by which young David approached life? I mean, don't you just love his genuineness? He wasn't a pretender. He wasn't trying to fake it until he could make it. He wasn't fronting like he was an expert user of the spear, the javelin, or the sword. Whether he gravitated towards and used what he was good at in order to get the job done. Now, here's a footnote. And most of us here know this to be true. Life is too short and time is too precious to waste pretending that you lack something when you really don't. Or pretending to be good at something when we really aren't. David's legacy challenged us to be who we are, to use what God has given us and to operate in our specific areas of giftedness. 
many gifts in the body. The same giver. Lesson four. Lesson five, thank you. Haters will hate. You just got to know that. I'm letting young people know that at 11 o'clock. Haters will hate. It's in their ungenerate nature to do so. Ungenerate nature means that they just hadn't been born again. They just don't know God. It's just they, you know, they, they just don't know him. They don't, they don't know Jesus. It's in, their, it's in their nature to do so. Look at verse 42. When the Philistine looked around, looked about and saw David, he disdained him. That meant he despised him. That, that means in his own cynical way, he hated him and did not deem him worthy to even be in his presence. It was like, who let you in here? For the text goes on to say, that he was only a youth, ruddy, and good-looking. So, according to verse 42, why did Goliath hate on David? Three reasons in the text. It's in the text. First, he hated on David because of David's youth. It's in the text. Second, he hated on David because of the complexion of David's skin. It's in the text. When you Google the definition for ready, you will find, whether you Google it in English, Hebrew, or Greek, it has something to do with complexion. And some, most commentators will say, a reddish complexion of skin. But third, he hated David because David was good looking. Now, when people are out of the will of God, when they're out of line and out of step with God, they are subject to hate you just because of who you are in Christ and who you are in God's favor. When God's favor is upon your life, and when God is blessing your life and when God is increasing your harvest and expanding your influence and your territory, you should expect haters and opposition to surface. But don't let them stop you. That's the lesson from David's legacy. He, he didn't let that stop him. Saul, Saul, uh, 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 Goliath hated him, but he didn't let it stop. In fact, it encouraged David to keep pressing on with his mission. Lesson six and finally today. Take the name of Jesus with you. Notice David's response in verse 45 in the text. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and with spear and with javelin. Forget this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defy. 
David realized early in life that no matter who his enemies were or what they were packing, with God on his side, he would be victorious. What a lesson for us to learn. No matter who our enemies are, no matter what they are packing, with God on our side, we will be victorious. The prophet Isaiah captivates the mood of David's message in Isaiah 53, 17 with these words, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Did you get that? It's not that weapons won't be formed against you because the reality of this life is when you stand up for God, when you make up your mind to live for Jesus, weapons will be formed against you and sometimes they come from the most unusual places. But they will not prosper because they've got to get past Jesus in order to get to you. Well, I say, well, Pastor, where you get that from? Where that theology come from? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Because that's why Satan said to God, why Satan said what he did to to God in Job 1 and 10. Satan said to God, have you not made a hedge of protection around him? Talking about Job around his household and uh, around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and, and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan realized that in order to get to Job, he had to get past God. God had to let him in. And young people, middle-aged people, seasoned saints, let me remind us today to take the name of Jesus with you Wherever you go. On Friday night, Sister Pickett and I had the privilege of attending Bartow High School and IB School and Summerlin Academy graduation. And one of our young men, Aaron Thomas, graduated. And it was, it was a great joy to watch him walk across the stage and receive his diploma and to watch him play his last time with the, with the band there uh, as a percussionist and uh, to, to just see him and his classmates together. It was, a, it was a great time to do that. We always enjoy that every year as other members of the pastoral staff do getting out and going to graduations. It's just a great time in the life of young people in the life of our church, particularly in a world where so many things are going wrong and so many young people are in trouble. We, we just ought to celebrate when our young people make accomplishments. We ought to just make a big deal out of it. And so what a great joy it was to be at that graduation. But here is the most astounding part of the whole ceremony for me and for my wife as well, who was by my side. The student praying the prayer of invocation. They still have invocations, you know. The student praying the prayer of the invocation called the name of Jesus three times. Remarkable in a climate where they don't want you, many people don't want you to, to mention the name of Jesus. On my last assignment as an Air Force chaplain, I got a telephone call uh, from the individual who was scheduling the baccalaureate service 
at Bitburg American High School who said to me, Pastor Chaplain, um, we, we know you're praying, but we don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus. And I said to him, well, Chief, such being the case, you need to find somebody else to pray. So I found it remarkable that this young high school young lady would call the name of Jesus three times in a prayer that lasted maybe not even a minute. And sometimes you can hear sermons today of so-called sermons for a whole 45 minutes and never hear his name. Well, she called the name of Jesus three times. And here's, here's something else remarkable that happened in that prayer. She prayed that the blood of Jesus. <laughs> she prayed in high school in front of all of these people. She prayed that the blood of Jesus would cover her classmates. And then she turned and walked off the stage. What you going to do? You going to take her to groom her back? Uh, like David, obviously this young lady learned early in life to take the name of Jesus with you 